here's a crazy thought. We have like a 10-win football team that surprises us, and then we roll into like a basketball team that takes us to the Final Four. And like, holy shit, guys, we beat Ohio. Come on. We beat a Mac school, and all of a sudden we're dreaming of like not suffering through the typical Syracuse sports seasons. Come on. Yes, we're dreaming. Let us dream. Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Brett Fortnum, Joe Shell, and Colin Lerner. It is a good week for the Syracuse Orange because they have already matched last year's win total in football. A great win for the Orange on the road, 29-9 at Ohio University. Some really impressive performances. Sean Tucker, his best performance in a game yet. 25 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown. He was averaging 7.2 yards a carry. Something we talked about last week, actually. We talked about the importance of the running game, especially against an Ohio team that struggled last year. And sure enough, uh, that did play out in this game. And, of course, we had the college debut of four-star recruit Deuce Chestnut, who just went off. True freshman, first time in a college football game, on the road, eight, uh, eight tackles, an interception, he was all over the field. Uh, he's immediately become a big player. It looks like he could be a real star for Syracuse. He's certainly a star this week. And really, after losing so many great secondary players last year, how exciting was it to see a player like that come in? And then, of course, it was just a case of Syracuse doing what you wanted. Going in, going on the road to a MAC team that they should beat, and handling business. It wasn't always pretty, but they managed to put together a really nice second half. Defense bent, but never broke. Guys, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic after week one. Yeah, Matt, it was a good week. Any week where you get to sit down and watch Syracuse football for three hours and you don't want to jam an ice pick through your eye is the largest of victories in my book. And just that tells you where we're coming from, just to be able to watch a game and and have it feel like football. We played football. We played competent football. There was a game plan. There was execution. People had good performances and did their jobs. It's been a while since we've seen that from a Syracuse football team. It was, you know, sure, it was a, a middle-of-the-road MAC team. It was a game that we weren't expected to win by the general population, and we came out and we won pretty, pretty handily. So uh, I had a great time watching this game, I think, well, the run game is obviously what stands out the most. Um, not just Sean Tucker, but the offensive line as well really stepped up big. I still have some concerns with the offensive line because for as good as their run protection was, I think their pass protection was just as bad. Any play that took more than two seconds to develop, I felt Tommy had no time, and he was still rolling out and making some plays. I'll talk more about Tommy in a little bit if we're going to talk about the the big performances first, but you start with Sean Tucker, Deuce Chestnut had a big game on defense. All in all, you know, there's really not much to complain about. And I think more or less it's, it's on the more optimistic side of what we expected. We were looking for competence. We were looking for improvement on the offensive line and we were looking for, you know, more of that solid defense that bends and doesn't break, but was better stopping the run on early downs. And after, you know, the beginning of the first drive, 
I felt pretty good about how we stopped the run on early downs. It got real nervous at first because they had a couple runs right up the gut that were easy seven, eight yards, but they locked in and I really don't have a whole lot to complain about, you know, week one on the road, you want win by 20. You have to be happy with, with how they played overall. Well, let me contradict you about having to be happy because if there's one thing I know, it's how to be unhappy about Brett, you picked us to lose this game. Yes, I did. And you mocked all of us who picked us to win, by the way. This is true. Now, if you listen to why I picked us to win, we are still on pace to have two out-of-conference victories and two conference victories to get to four wins. I'm standing by that. I don't think that has changed at all. It just means that I might have to face the music sooner about us not being able to beat Liberty. I was trying to mask that with my Ohio pick because I was hopeful that we could win this. But I don't think we learned anything about this football team in this game. We we basically we were the better team, yes, which didn't happen at all. But we also didn't have any out-of-conference games last year. We wouldn't have won only one game if Sorry, we did have some out-of-conference games last year, but we didn't have the yeah, full one. slate. Yeah, yeah, we had one. Liberty. Yeah. And we didn't have an Ohio or anybody like that on our schedule last year, which is one of the reasons why we only won a single game. And to me, this is a an ACC school coming in and playing like it is superior, but Sean Tucker had a fantastic game. There's no taking away from that. Deuce Chestnut had a great game. There's no taking away from that. But again, I just, I don't think we learned anything. Tommy did exactly what we know he can do. Make the quick first read pass and and get it out. The offensive line, as Joe, you mentioned, we don't know how they're going to stack up against real competition. We beat a team that lost its coach two months ago that didn't, that hardly played last year. I just, I don't know that this changes anything for me. But did you see anything bad that you did not like? The coaching scheme? I I was very disappointed with the fact that Tommy played the entire game because I would have liked to see a little bit more of an actual QB competition or a little bit more of a tryout because was Tommy doing anything wrong? Not really, but he also wasn't showing us anything that we didn't already know he could do. I want to see what Schrader can do. And I think when you're playing a Mac team, it's the best opportunity to do that. So, yeah, we we won the game. We won it handily. We didn't have a huge lead most of the game. You're right. But this was an opportunity to see what you have. And instead, we're now going to go face Rutgers. And if Tommy struggles against Rutgers, then we're putting in Schrader who's only got basically one series of garbage time. I mean, why not let the kids play? Like, let use your depth chart in, in, in these games. I would say as a one in 10 football team last year, I don't think that we are in any spot to be giving people time or wasting what even one down of a football game this year. We need to try and win as much as possible. And if Dino thinks that Tommy is that guy, then I fully understand him playing the entire game. The time for us to see when Schrader was going to do things was in practice, right? We unfortunately can't see what's going on there, but we have to at least hopefully trust that they gave him the shot to show what he had, and Tommy won the battle and is the starting quarterback. Again, Brett, I fully understand your uh, skepticism here. You know, I don't trust Dino as much as, you know, many people do either, but I do trust that Tommy 
was the better quarterback going into this season, if that's what he tells me. So I trust that Tommy knows the system better. Yeah. And he clearly does. And he didn't show anything, in, in my opinion, in, in that game that I mean, I mean, look at his stat line. He threw for what was it, 92 yards. I 92 mean, yards. Like, and, and that's not entirely on him. That's part of that's play calling part. That's the offensive line. But I, I have to wonder if what can Schrader do? And I think we we were in a position where you could have multiple quarterbacks play that game. And I don't think that's a waste. I don't think you're being not competitive when you put Schrader in. But I, I, I personally do not trust Dino to give up on DeVito. In my opinion, I don't think we were ever in a position in that game where it was time to experiment. I think we kind of got into a groove where the run game was working. The reason the run game was working was because Tommy was playing that read option so well. He made the right call every single time we ran one of those plays. That's a big reason Sean Tucker had as many yards as he did. Tommy himself ran for nearly 50 yards. So I, I, I agree that I wish we were in a position where playing a middle-of-the-road Mac school, you won by enough where you could see what you have on your depth chart in week one. We don't have that luxury. We're not good enough. So to me, relative to where we've come from and where we expect to be, I considered this a satisfactory performance. A couple of things about Tommy. If, if you really watch that game close, Tommy didn't really miss a single throw. The one throw he missed was a potential touchdown that he probably should have hit. He had an open receiver in the end zone and he kind of led him a little too far. But Tommy threw, I think, three deep balls that were on the money and the receivers just did not make a play on the ball. One of them was Taj Harris, which I really was disappointing. I was I was pretty upset with one the of them was court. pass interference. One of them was one a, of them a, was a missed pass interference call yeah. and it wasn't a lot of contact. But they, but it was enough. They arm barred the receiver's arm enough where he couldn't put two hands on the ball, and that was the reason he didn't catch it. One of them was Taj Harris just let one go through his arms and didn't make a strong play on the ball. And there was a third one that I think was Queeley did the same thing. Just Tommy threw a dime and he just didn't make a strong play for the ball. Say two of those three balls are caught, and all of a sudden you're looking at Tommy's stat line having two more completions and probably 50 or 60 more yards and we're sitting there going okay that's that's not bad so the the 92 yards I think is deceiving because there were some absolute dimes that Tommy dropped that his receivers just let him down was it a conservative play call yes was it putting Tommy in a position to succeed by not making him go through his reads sure but again in my opinion with where Syracuse football is coming from just the fact that we had the luxury of keeping the playbook vanilla in week one and didn't have to break out anything, I think is a positive. It's hard to argue with being 1-0 at this point. I mean, going into the season, we were in the next five up for worst 10 teams in the country. Wouldn't you be mad if we did have to like open up the playbook and like show some things in week one against Ohio? I think that would be worse. I think if Schrader's coming in at halftime in this game, it is a disaster. It's a dumpster fire. I don't think he should have been coming in at halftime. I think he should have been, you know, give DeVito a couple series, give Schrader one series, just see how he looks in there. Because from, from the sounds of it, it did sound like there was a decent competition. Dino did say that he thought both quarterbacks were going to play and... You know, obviously that was just trying to to psych out Ohio, but I guess I'm not 
I'm not convinced that Tommy's a quarterback that's going like, I, th- I think we know what his ceiling is. I do. We're all excited to see what Schrader has, but we have to remember and keep things in check. We're talking about a guy who transferred because he got moved to tight end or wide receiver at his old school. So it's not like, you know, he's definitely like the savior of the program. Like, Oh, I don't think he is. If if Tommy played that whole game and I understand there's some skepticism with Dino and his, his leash is growing ever shorter. But if, if Tommy played 90% of that game, to me, there's a reason. And if Tommy was making probably a reason that showed throws. in practice. He made three beautiful downfield throws. Sure, three. But I'm saying that when you have 17 pass attempts and you look at his yards per attempt average, as low as that is, even if you put those three completions in, you look at the medium throw, he's just like, it. they're, they're the first read. Dinks and they dunks. were all quick slant first three Two quick things. slants, but they they all gained heavy yarded like they were all automatic 12 13 yards two things on that one um in terms of the the quick slants and the quick passes the 2018 team succeeded doing that that was the bread and butter of that offense was quick quick little 10 yard 10 yard passes 15 yard passes yes you had the long shots that you would see Dungy throw some long stuff down the field but most of the plays were quick quick stuff which worked and that worked and look I mean I think about last week I said I didn't know if we were going to see as much from the quarterbacks in the passing game because of the rushing game because Ohio was a team where their weakness was the rush, and I thought we were going to see a heavy rushing attack, and that's what they did. And you can't blame Syracuse for heavily going with the run, perhaps at the detriment of its own quarterback competition, because frankly, if it was working, you were in a position, as Joe said and Colin said, where you don't have the luxury to play around. You need to get wins where you can find them. That was working. You got to roll with what works. And I don't think it's surprising that it was a very vanilla playbook and they just kept running up the gut because Ohio couldn't stop it. Ohio couldn't stop it. And it allowed Syracuse to control the clock. And if you can control the clock and you have the lead, which they did that whole game, then, you know, you put Ohio in a really tough spot, which, you know, eventually they did there in the third quarter. I mean, once they were up, two possessions. I mean, that alone felt like a lot because Ohio wasn't doing anything in the red zone, but you know, with that, let's, let's flip it up and talk about the defense though. Cause I think one of my favorite things of watching in this was the defense, the defense. Yeah. You know, I remember when Dino came, he talked about bend, but not break. And that's exactly what you saw. They bent and they would let Ohio at times go all the way to the red zone. But then when they hit the red zone, Everything stopped. They did a fantastic job keeping Ohio out of the end zone, and they forced three field goals. That all could have been, or at least two of those three, could have been touchdowns if Ohio had done something different. So I thought the defense did a fantastic job. Garrett Williams looked real solid when he was in in the first half. He had some cramping issues in the second half. Michael Jones had 10 tackles. He kind of went... unnoticed I think largely because of Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams but and obviously we talked about Deuce Chestnut I thought the defense played great I thought the linebackers did a really good job that was a unit that we had some concerns about I mean it was good solid defensive football good tackles wrapping wrapping people up the kind of things that we hadn't always seen last year and even the year before 
really, really just good fundamental defensive football. And I think that was a big, big help. And you know what? They were on the field a lot in the first half. And then because the offense, even when it was doing well, was going so fast, they ended up on the field a lot. But I thought the defense, then they were on the field a lot less in the second half, but they did a great job. They never got winded. They really stuck with it to the end. And so that is something that I think we should be very excited about. That's going to keep Syracuse in a lot of games. That really is. If that defense can keep doing that, they're going to be, you know, Syracuse's offense is going to have the opportunities. It's just going to be a case of taking advantage of it. Yeah, I would say it's been two full years since our team looked like a Power 5 football team. And we are playing against a mid-level max school. I understand that. But we actually looked like a competent football team. Like, we weren't making super mistakes. We were wrapping up, like you alluded to, Matt. We were playing good, solid defense. It bothers me mildly that our mantra is, like, let's give up a ton of yards but not touchdowns. Like, I would love it to be, like, you know, let's not give up a ton of yards. But I this is acceptable to me. Given where our program is, which I think is the kind of theme of all this, where we are coming from, I am over the moon about what I saw defense included as well. Just actually having a competent secondary, having guys making good tackles, not giving up the first down in the red zone. Just these are things that winning football teams do. We have a long way to go, but we are making the small plays that winning football teams do. And I'm happy about that. I mean, I just want to go back to my my initial point that we basically didn't have this type of game last year. So I'm trying to come at this where we had one win because we were so conference schedule heavy. I don't know that last year's team couldn't have done this against a mid-level MAC team. I don't think last year's team would have won against Ohio. I mean, that's also Ohio was was probably better last year, too. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, we. I don't. You take this same game and make last year's team play it. I I just don't think they win. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we played Notre Dame competitive for a half. We played. We played several of our ACC games competitive and just didn't have the talent to, to close on those. So. You know, yes, they had one win, I, but I think that one win is not necessarily indicative. Like, if you put that on a normal schedule, I think that might be a 3-4 win football team. And I, I honestly think that's where we're at right now. So, I mean, the defense, because that's what we're talking about specifically here, I didn't see anything – like, Deuce Chestnut is a revelation. And unfortunately, my initial thought with him is, oh, crap – He's going to be really good. Why would he want to be here next year? Because I'm just I'm not convinced this program is going to be good this year. And I think that's the type of pressure that is now on Dino, where you have to prove that two players every single year that you have to stay. And that's what the transfer portal does. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it is a lot of added pressure. And you know, we weren't getting the the pressure on the QB that I would have liked to see, which is was not one of our strengths last year. And you know, bending and not breaking against Ohio, I don't think that necessarily bodes well for when we do hit the Power Five because I don't think we're going to be able to let guys into the red zone as often as we did with Ohio and get away with you know only letting up nine points. As as the game went on, I think the defense did tighten up a bit too. Um, I think yes, it did. They're 
you know, they have, I think, one of the better running backs in the MAC, and I think he only gained like 50 yards in the game. So a lot of that bending was early, and, and I can stomach that. Obviously, you hope that against stiffer competition that, that they continue to tighten up because it's a fair point. If, if you're going to play like that against your conference opponents, you know, you're likely to break at some point. But I'm just trying to keep this all in perspective of, sure, it was an easier opponent, but it was week one coming off the worst season we've had in a long time. And and I'm not finding a whole lot of things to complain about right now. I think the players who contributed early last year out of necessity came into this game and played well and looked like they have improved upon what they contributed last year, which I think is step one for what needs to be the case for this team to be competitive. I think we have to talk about Ben LeBros, who's who's one of the starting safeties this year. He's a really athletic-looking kid. He made some good tackles in the backfield. So we may not have had any sacks, but there were a, a handful of tackles for loss that were really big plays for the front seven. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously we can't be content. This has to be a building block, not a, not a okay, we're okay now. This is where we're at. It, we, it has to be square one of the building block. Building block. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, one last person that I just want to make sure that we at least give him the time he's due is, as we mentioned him already, but Sean Tucker. I mean, that that was an incredible game. I mean, and I don't care who you're playing against. If you run 181 yards, uh, that's a good day <laughs> against anybody. He had some – he really reeled off some good, some good runs there. He was finding his way through defenders. He was getting good – good run protection, and he was taking advantage of it. The question now, and they said, I mean, part of it was, can he take that much of a load? And the answer was yes, at least so far. The question is, can that much be asked of him going forward? And you have to assume yes until you're proven no. My question is, is can he stay healthy going up against the bigger opponents that we're going to play against? Well, yeah, because he's going to get hit a lot more. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get hit a lot against the Clemson, Florida States. And, you know, can he stand up to it? I mean, everything I've seen so far leads me to believe he can. But that will, I think that as Sean Tucker goes, our team goes. And so, you know, I mean, we got to wait and see, see what he got. By the way, thank you to Cooper Lutz for the weekly, giving the Syracuse football faithful its weekly heart attack. Always something. Always that, something. That handoff that was bobbled in the air. How he managed to pull that in, I so don't lucky. know. So lucky. <laughs> I don't know that we're going to have to ask Sean Tucker to rush the ball 25 times every single game. Because as Joe pointed out, Tommy did have almost 50 yards rushing, which was just shocking to me. But the team had, in total, 283 yards rushing, which was the vast majority of its offense. And... Yeah, Sean Tucker was two-thirds of that, but there are other contributors to that run game. So if Sean Tucker is getting beat up, you know, Cooper Lutz can spell him. You can give Abdul Adams uh, a couple carries. Who looked sharp, and it was garbage time, but he he showed flashes of what we were kind of looking for. And and hopefully, you know, if the depth chart is tested, you have Jarvin Howard to clean up a little bit. So, like, they have good depth at running back, and if the O-line can at least hold for that, that's that's a good sign. So I don't think no matter who no matter who you're playing, if you have 283 yards rushing, that's a good day. And I'm only going to say this because he's not on the podcast today, but Kevin was right. If we can punch that ball and just grind on the ground, we might be okay. 
If yeah, Tommy thanks. can run the read option as well as he did week one, as I don't know, I think it was Joe, I think it was you pointed out earlier, then we will be competitive in every football game. That is far and above the biggest leap I have seen from the 20 team to the 21 team is our read option. It was yeah. stunning how spot on every single time he made the right call. Can he keep on doing that when he has three tenths of a second instead of eight tenths of a second? You know, we'll see. But if he is able to slow the game down that much, then I am confident going forward. That is the most calm Tommy DeVito has looked in the pocket since 2018 when he would come into some of those games. I mean, he just seemed much more at ease. And even when he was on the run, which, like Colin said, he was still making the right decisions. And to see him tuck it, that's the... That's a new part of Tommy that we had not seen. The tucking it and running it. And he did a good job running it. He was also, I'll give him this, much better at getting sliding and getting <laughs> and not getting hit unnecessarily. Man. I, I, I want to take a little credit for that because um, I said this is as, as, as high. Uh, for him sliding? <laughs> no, for for um, DeVito tucking and running a couple times because I, I don't know if anyone heard me, but I, I said last week that Tommy DeVito runs like Drew Bledsoe. And if, if you say that about anybody, it is such a slap in the face that you best damned your hardest to prove me wrong, and he did. I, yeah. I can no longer say that Tommy DeVito runs like Drew Bledsoe. Tommy DeVito runs better than Drew Bledsoe. It, it was certainly good to see his pocket presence improve because honestly, it really couldn't have gotten any worse. I mean, it was so bad last year, and he had happy feet, and he was panic. It's it's rare to see a Division One athlete panic, and I think we regularly saw Tommy panic last year and the year before that. Um, so it was good to see him take that pressure and not panic. But what upsets me is that he was still running for his life a little bit on any play that took a few seconds to develop. So maybe. We were giving him simple one-read plays because the offensive line's a whole lot better at its run protection and its short-term pass protection. Maybe it can't hold up for three and a half, four seconds. But if they can, I, I, I really think what, what we're seeing so far, we're going to have opportunities to open up the playbook and air it out. I'm just cautiously waiting to see if the offensive line ever affords us that opportunity to, to see that. I think it's going to be an RPO season. Before we be. before we move yeah. on, I do want to point out that our uh, we did a little survey on Twitter on Sunday, and forty percent of the respondents think that this Syracuse team will have six or more wins. Uh, so people seem cautiously optimistic. Because Syracuse fans are idiots. I was about to say that's 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 stupid. <laughs> yeah, because we're hopelessly optimistic, and we enjoy I mean, getting. So that, that, that's why our podcast is called Three Idiots and Lawyer, because <laughs> we are clearly broadcasting to the idiots. Twenty-seven percent said four and eight. Twenty percent said five and seven, and thirteen percent said three or fewer wins. Okay, so mo- I actually, I I want to apologize to our fan base, and I could probably list off the names in under five seconds, but. I shouldn't have called you all idiots because most of you are still smart. Syracuse fans would go on a date and think it went well as their date is climbing out the bathroom window, and then they'd call back the next day for the second date. Well, we made it 30 minutes, so, you know, that's <laughs> pretty good. How many, I mean, how many games did that describe? <laughs> okay, so quickly, before we move on to Rutgers, let's just do four stars of the game. Every person here picks a player that you thought was 
was critical to the game. Joe. All right. I'm going to go with a curveball here. I'm going to say Andre Schmidt because we knew going in, we were going to settle for field goals and we didn't give him horrible field position, but he knocked him down. We didn't sweat it out. Hostile environment outdoors first game of the year. And he knocked him down. It wasn't even close. So I think we need Andre Schmidt to be that rock again, like he was a couple years ago. And I think this was a good start for him. Right. I mean, Sean Tucker was the most important player in that game, bar none. And there are absolutely other notable names, but 25 attempts, 181 yards and a touchdown. That that set the tone of the game. Without that performance, maybe Joe and Colin and you aren't happy. So, Colin. Uh, Matt, I will leave the um, number one star for you. And I will go along Joe's line of thinking and go with uh, Trevor Pena and our uh, return game. My man had close to 100 yards. Uh, bringing the ball back. And that's something that, again, we just haven't seen in many, many years. When was the last time you saw a 30-yard punt return? So I will um, go with him. Well, I guess we all know who this leads up to. Sarah Deuce. Deuce Chestnut. First first start uh, in college. Eight tackles and an interception all over the field. Immediately looked like he was worth every one of those four stars. So excited to watch him play football this year and, and hopefully for a couple more years at Syracuse University. He is a star in the making and uh, just, man, if that's what he did this week, I'm just really excited to see what he can do in the future. I don't think we can overstate how important those open field tackles were because those are all plays that last year, the year before, even when Syracuse won 10 games, you routinely saw those plays where the first tackle gets missed near the line of scrimmage and it gets taken to the house. So if him and Garrett Williams are going to tackle like that near the line of scrimmage in the run game, it's going to take so much pressure off the linebackers. Yeah. And it makes it really hard. If you're a a opposing quarterback, who do you want to throw toward? They said that in practice, the Syracuse quarterbacks decided to try to pick on Deuce because he was the freshman, and they said they learned very quickly that that was a bad decision. So that uh, tells you all you need to know. Hopefully, and also, to Brett's point about being bad. worried about retaining Deuce, sure, he may be on a bad football team. He may not. But are you really going to be that quick to transfer out of a school that you're going to play and you're going to play a lot and that three of your peers just got sent to NFL rosters and are sticking on them. Not necessarily. No, you're absolutely right. And I was thinking about that is don't fix what's not broken. So, I mean, that, that could be, but I, I do think that there is, there is some fear. I mean, it, it's probably not like basketball in that respect where basketball yeah. is, you know, you, you want to go play at the best school. Football is so scheme dependent that if Deuce is in a system that's really working for him, you might not want to move. But it really depends on on the individual, and I don't think you can take take that for granted. Let's take a look to the future. Rutgers is coming to the the Carrier Dome or whatever it is now. The dome, uh, the stadium, <laughs> this, the stadium this Trough weekend. <laughs> yeah. Trust. Hey, the troughs trust. live to see another season. I will pay those troughs this year. Mark my words. Uh, Rutgers comes to the town, an old Big East foe. Uh, this is a one-off now. This was supposed to be a home-and-home. Home. We would have been down there last year. Uh, instead, this is a one-off, and Rutgers is coming off their best win in a very long time, at least in terms of points. They beat Temple 61-14. to Very impressive. Uh, this is not the Rutgers of two or three years ago. 
that was winning two, three games in the Big Ten and was just getting blown out a lot. Greg Schiano has really turned this program around. He's got some really nice recruits. They've done a lot with the transfer portal. And so they're not going to be an easy opponent. But I will point out that if you look at the stat line in the box score, it's not quite as impressive because Temple had three fumbles, all for a loss, and Temple threw two picks. So looks like Rutgers got a short field quite often. Noah Vidral, uh, who is the starting quarterback there, was 15 of 27 for 138 yards and a touchdown. And they did spread the ball out to a lot of different running backs. Uh, there were a lot of different people touched the ball on the ground here. But none of them had more than 60 yards, So, which is kind of what happens when you spread the ball out. They had two, only three receivers who had more than two catches and none of them for more than 60 yards. So they really did spread the ball out a lot. Everybody got a little bit. So it does mean you're going to have to cover a lot of different explosive players, but the hope is is that this defense would be able to counter that offense. I'm pretty excited just because this is exactly what I want to see our football team up against. I think it's what, Brett, you want to see us up against as well. A solid team that will give us a test in the areas that we need to get a test in. I think we are going to see, I mean, Matt, to your point about them having a short field, that also means that Temple turned the ball over five times because that Rutgers got five turnovers, right? So it'll be interesting to see if Tommy is as composed against a team that is as ball hungry as this. Rutgers seems to be a solid, solid football team who is playing all the right way. And I think that it will be a really strong test for us. I think that this, um, the line right now of essentially kind of even is where it should be. I think that this is two going to be even football teams, and it'll be whoever executes their game plan better. Um, but I think that coming out of this game, win or lose, we are going to learn a lot about our football team. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. I Originally, before having seen the Ohio game, I was kind of feeling like this game was, was going to be bad for us, and it may not be that close. I think I've seen enough where I think we can be competitive in this game and, and stay in it late. If we can control the game with the running game like we did, even you know 75% as effectively as we did against Ohio, I think we'll win this game. You have to remember, we controlled that Ohio game without even winning time of possession. I don't even think it was that close. And that's hard to do, but you never felt like Syracuse wasn't controlling that game. So... I think if we can see some more of the same steady run game, more of those read options where Tommy keeps it at the right time and dishes it out at the right time, we're going to have to open it up a little more and be more creative. So this is a situation I was alluding to where if you can land one or two of those big plays in the passing game, I, I, I think that will put us in a good spot. I think it's going to come down to a, a late Andre Schmidt field goal to put us ahead, but it's going to be a tough game and you're going to have to grind it out. I think it's going to be close and it, it's going to be one of those cardiac cues games for sure. Not to be too predictable here, but I think we're going to get absolutely spanked. I think the way that you beat Syracuse based on that Ohio game is you stack the box, you put eight in the box, and you do not let the run game beat you, and you make Tommy DeVito beat you. And I don't think Tommy can do that. So I think that the defense will perform well, especially when you have two outstanding corners like you do and a strong secondary to speak of the whole I think that that will limit the damage that Rutgers is able to do but I don't think this will look anything like the Temple game I don't I think it will look competitive but I don't think the score will ever 
be close enough where we're talking about cardiac cues. I, I see, I see a, a, a decent margin of victory, but I don't, I don't think we're going to get the floor wiped, wiped with us. So I guess I shouldn't have said spank, but I, I think Rutgers is going to win comfortably. This is a tough game to pick because I'll tell you, the thing is, is Rutgers plays teams like what Syracuse is right now close. And you look at Rutgers the past couple years, especially last year in the Big Ten, man, every game Rutgers played came down to the end. I mean, against whether it was like Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, all the like they really play close games. They took Michigan to overtime. They do play very, very tight football games. Now, a lot of times they end up on the wrong end of those tight football games more often than not, but they make everybody notice them. And Greg Schiano has completely changed the direction of that program. I think this is going to be very tight. I think there's, you know, and, and I think kind of like Joe, this is going to come down very possibly to the last drive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it, you know, and it's going to be a field goal or a touchdown is going to tie or win this thing. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to be really close. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion too. You know, it's going to be both these teams are going to win, want to win because they both need them. And uh, I, I think Rutgers is going to take this one, but I think they're going to do it really close. I would say 27-24. It's going to be it's going to be tight. But I'm I, very I think, curious to know if Rutgers forced many of those turnovers against. Temple or if Temple was just coughing up the ball. I think if I could answer that question and see the highlights from that game, it would kind of sway how I feel a little more strongly about what Rutgers really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the game we need to see and, and we will know a lot when this one is over. Uh, We will know a lot. And we can all agree. It's better that the team's going to this game with a little bit of confidence and riding a little bit high. You can tell they feel good about where they're at and that, Always helps. Better than coming in downtrodden and be like, oh, the season's over after one week. So at least they're coming in riding high a little bit. Absolutely. So for those of you tuning in, it'll be 2 o'clock on the ACC Network. And uh, so you can tune in and watch that. You guys want scores? All right, Joe, score. All right. I'm going to say that Syracuse wins this one. 20 to 17 on a last minute Andre Schmidt field goal. All right, Colin. Uh 41-38 overtime. And wow. I'm going to say I'm going to say we lose 35-15. 35-15. Wow. Okay. That is a spanking. I I don't think it's going to look hideous. I th- like we're going to look like an actual football team and I'm again I'm using last year's comparison point where we we could lose a game 35-15 and it just get ugly. I don't think this we're going to get ugly. I think we're just going to lose to a better opponent. Before we end the show, we're going to just do a quick whip around and take a look at the rest of our opponents and just to kind of see how everybody else was doing. As I mentioned, Rutgers won 61-14 against Temple. Albany headed up to North Dakota State, got soundly beaten 28-6. No real surprise there. Liberty took on FCS Campbell, won easy 48-7. How about Florida State, guys? Took ninth-ranked Notre Dame to overtime. Uh, lost 41-38, but they're better, I think, than people expected. Wake Forest easily beat Old Dominion 42-10. Clemson lost to fifth-ranked Georgia 10-3. Virginia Tech upset 10th-ranked North Carolina. Sam Howe, Heisman hopeful, 17-10. to 
Boston College beat Colgate 51-0. Louisville, oh, man, they looked they looked rough on Monday night. 43-24 loss to Ole Miss. NC State took care of South Florida easily, 45-0. Pitt beat UMass 51-7. You know, most of our opponents won. A few lost. A few, you know, one of them lost very, very badly. Two of them lost pretty badly. Louisville is the one I'm thinking of. And now it's time for Matt's Pit Stop. I'm coming in! I would like to point out, and this is just a thing that annoyed me, as I noticed college football final was talking about what a rough weekend it was for the ACC. And uh, pretty much tried to like make this argument that the ACC had the worst weekend of the Power Fives, and I just think that's completely false. And I just get this feeling that they had this like in their head, like they want to make the argument that the ACC is the weakest, but they ignored that the Pac-12 North just shit the bed. Like the Pac-12 North went one and five. (laughs) The Pac-12 North went one and five. Is the Pac-12 still considered a major conference? Yes. Really? Yes. 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 Stanford got blown out by Kansas State. Okay. Cal lost to Nevada. Oregon State lost to Purdue. Washington State lost to Utah State. And then Washington, who was ranked 20th in the country, managed to only score one touchdown against FCS Montana. In the first quarters, too. They scored one touchdown in the first quarter. And that was it for the whole game. They lost 13-7 to to Montana. Yikes. You know, so don't, don't sit here and tell me the ACC had, like, the worst weekend. Like, the Pac-12 had an awful weekend. Oregon had the one win in the Pac-12 North, and that was barely over Fresno State. And now they got to play the Buckeyes next weekend, so I can tell you how that's likely going to go. It, it just, I, I just think it was crazy that somebody's trying to make this argument that, oh, it was this awful weekend for the ACC where the Pac-12 just absolutely, you know, one, one half of the Pac-12 just like gave up. I, I don't know. I, I just, I found that really annoying. But so look, that's all we have for this week. Enjoy another weekend of college football. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 3ILPod. We're tweeting a lot during games and before and after games. Let us know what you think. What do you think is going to happen with this game against Rutgers? What do you think for the rest of the season for this team? And, and you know, what players are you excited about? Uh, be it Sean Tucker or Deuce Chestnut, maybe a guy like Michael Jones, Garrett Williams. Let us know. And what, what were 40% of you smoking and how good was it? Uh, it was go. very good, and so far that prediction is correct. So, you know, mm. I don't know how to finish that. It's no more correct than any of the others. Listen, as of right now, we are on pace to be a undefeated team. So, until that is not true, I am going to stick with that. So cool. enjoy that for at least five more days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so look. Uh, also, make sure to follow us on Facebook. Uh, three idiots and a lawyer. Engage with us there. And uh, if you've got questions for the mailbag, three idiots lawyer at gmail.com. We really do need to open up the mailbag again now that it's football season. I'm sure we'll get some interesting stuff in there. So if you've got the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know that you got it. We just want to know that it's safe. Until next time, for Joe Shell, Colin Lerner, Brett Fortnum, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next time. Thank you.